sabbatical whilst Deducey finishes the 42 kings of Israel. <laughs> so, maybe three years? <laughs> Tonight, we're going to be thinking about the question, how do we live life while we're waiting for the Lord Jesus to come back? Right? I think that's a very practical question to ask, because we know in our heads that the Lord Jesus is coming back, but it is a Practical in the sense of what should we be doing while we're waiting for him to come back? I mean, we're all experienced times of waiting. I want to give you a hypothetical situation. I don't want you to believe for one minute this has ever happened to me, but you may have experienced waiting in your house for someone to get ready to go out. And that can take a while, right? And that waiting. I mean, I, I'm not, I've not done from experience. I assume that is the case amongst you, yeah? Amen. Yeah, thank you, thank you. But there's other things. You know what frustrates me? You go down for a coffee. And in the old days, you used to get a jug of coffee, put out, and you got served within two minutes. Now they're going around this fancy machine where they have to heat up the milk and bang things around. It takes, if it's a queue, it could take forever. So you have to wait in this queue. Um, the other thing is... If you ever go to watch sport, football match, and your team's winning 1-0 and you've got 10 minutes to go, waiting for that final whistle can be quite difficult because you, you, you don't want them to lose that, a goal. So there's all sorts of aspects of waiting. And they bring out in us different emotions. It might be frustration. It might be um, anxiety. It might be delight. It might be enjoyment as we wait for things to happen. But we do experience waiting in many ways. But we're going to be thinking about particularly waiting for our Lord Jesus. And the Lord Jesus himself talks about this in his parables. We talk about the parable of the ten virgins, where they're waiting for his return. We're talking about the parable when there's a man in the house and he leaves the house and he leaves his servants in the house. He says, wait here while I go until I come back. And there are a number of examples of the Lord Jesus talking about the fact that we should wait his return. So who is it we're waiting for when we talk about waiting for the return? Who, is we, who are we waiting for? I love in the Gospels when we read about Jesus with his disciples and those close to him. And he spends those precious times with them, talking to them, listening to what they're saying, but also guiding them, giving them wisdom, giving them understanding about life itself. Um, they would see in him as, as, he behaved, as he performed miracles and healings and just the wise words he came out with and I just have this picture of that small group of um, people just knitted together in love and friendship as they met regularly with the Lord Jesus and yet there were times when they would disappoint him there were times when they would fall asleep when he went to pray. There were times when they didn't trust him when they were in the boat in the storm. There were times when they denied him when they were asked by people, do you know this Jesus? There were times when he, they abandoned him. But the lovely thing is that Jesus constantly comes back to them with those words of comfort and love and understanding. In John 13, we have a situation where they meet together for a meal and they're talking around the table. I'm sure this would happen regularly, talking around the meal and discussing 
life and what it, and Jesus explaining to them what it really means. And he washed their feet at this meal. And then at the end of the meal, we find that he tries to explain to them, I'm going to be going away. And they don't fully understand. And Peter says, well, if you're going, I'm coming with you. And Jesus says, at the end of that passage, before the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times. And then the, you know, if we forget the chapter breaks, it goes straight into the first verse of chapter 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. That's wonderful that the Lord Jesus, at the time he's talking to Peter, who he knows is going to deny him, says, don't let your heart be troubled. And he goes on to explain, I'm going to prepare, I said, pray that it's now, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm going to come back. I'm going to return. They still didn't understand. We know that the Lord Jesus went to the cross. He died on the cross. And on that cross, he took our sin and our punishment. And we know that he was accepted by a holy God. And when he rose from the dead, he met with the disciples again beside the lake in a room in a house. And again, he's meeting with them and sharing with them. And then we get to Acts chapter 1. We read in Acts chapter 1 where he ascends into heaven and says, Acts chapter 1 verse 9, After they said this, he was taken up before them with their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you've seen him go into heaven. And I think at that point, they perhaps started to understand that Jesus had gone to heaven, but he was coming back. All the things he had said over those three years would suddenly fit into place, and they realised he was coming back. And when he comes back, he's going to take us. And we, we, we haven't met Jesus physically, but we're going to meet him. And when we see him, we'll see the marks in his hands. We'll see, we'll be reminded of the sacrifice he made on the cross. And when we're with him, we're going to be in a place where there's no sadness, there's no sickness, there's no death, there's no sin. We're going to be in a place where he will be the centre of everything that we do. There's no need to worry about electricity bills because he's going to be the light. He's going to shine in our midst. This is who we are waiting to come back. How do you feel about that? Yeah. Now sometimes we can feel he can't come back quick enough because my situation isn't a very good situation at the moment. I wish he was back because then I could be free from this situation. Sometimes we can think, I don't want him to come back just now. We wouldn't say that to you. But subconsciously we're thinking, I've got quite a lot on just now. I've got a lot I'm looking forward to. I've got lots of plans over the next few months. And I'd quite like to fulfil those plans. And it would be a shame to miss out on them. So we have the two extremes there. But I think Paul gets it right when he talks in Philippians. He says, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. And he says, I would rather be with Christ, but there's so much more I need to be doing here while we come to return. And that's the balance, isn't it? Having that desire to be with him, 
but also knowing that while we wait for him, he's got things for us to do. And that's what we're going to think about tonight. What is it we should be doing while we wait? Can you turn to James? And we'll just read a few verses from James chapter 5. James chapter five and chapter five and verse seven to twelve. James says, "Be patient, then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters." or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else, all you need to say is simply yes or no, otherwise you'll be condemned. So I'll pick out one or two things from these verses to help us to understand what it means to live while we're waiting for the Lord to return. And to get that balance of anticipation and longing alongside what we do while we're here. And one of the things James says in verse 8, he says, be strong or stand firm. And one of the things we need to do is to have that confidence in the Lord's return and to stand firm in that. Be absolutely sure that we know the Lord Jesus is coming back and he's going to receive his own to himself. That is not something that we debate, it's something we know. But we need to stand firm in that and have confidence in it because around us, we will find people who will challenge it, people who will not believe it, people who will laugh at us. And therefore we need to be strong in that and live our lives with that confidence of knowing he's returning and looking forward to eagerly seeing him and have that strength. He then talks about being patient. Now patient can mean a couple of things in this situation. It could be long-suffering or it could be endurance. But interesting, one of the things he talks about here, it says, don't grumble against one another. And I think that's interesting. He picks that out as something to focus on when he's talking about waiting for the Lord to return. And I think it's because, and we've said this before, so much of the, the problem that, that happens in families and in life and in churches is because of human friction, human disagreements, human grumblings how we're able to talk about someone else and say, well, they haven't got it quite right. And we moan about them behind their back. We grumble. The Lord Jesus, and Jim says, the Lord Jesus is coming back. He is a judge. He knows what's happening. He knows how to resolve this. And he's saying, please do not get yourself involved in that type of discussion. Please do not get involved in grumbling and moaning, but rather encourage one another. Help one another. 
Because I've said it before, we're all in the same situation. We're all facing difficulties, we're all facing challenges, we're all facing life and all, all it throws at us. And we need to come alongside one another and encourage one another, not grumble about situations. And I hear grumblings, I do it myself. We all grumble and we have got to stop it. Don't grumble, but be positive and be encouraging to one another. Because the Lord himself is standing at the door, the judge is standing at the door. He is the one that knows our hearts. He is the one that will bring about the correct action. Then we find that we should be patient with our own circumstances. Now it's difficult to talk about this because each one of us has a circumstance in life that we live with. And I don't want to... Yours might be worse than mine or mine might be worse than you. I don't know. But we do face times where life is difficult. Sometimes it can be a workplace situation where we're not finding it easy at work. It could be friends around us are giving us a hard time. It might be that health is poor and we're struggling with ill health. Whatever the circumstances, it can be very challenging and very difficult for us to cope with. And he's saying here, be patient in that situation. And he uses the example of Job. But what better example can we have than Job? Job was a man who had everything taken away. His family, his wealth, his health. And he stayed strong in the Lord, didn't he? He stayed faithful to the Lord. And those wonderful words that we read at the end of verse 11. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. This is talking about Job. At the end of Job's life, Job was blessed with family, with wealth again. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. And we must remember that whatever situation we're facing at the moment, whatever difficulty we're facing, the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Now, I'll be honest with you, it might be that we don't see any resolve in this life. But we know that we're going to go to a better place where we the Lord and he will show compassion and mercy. So be patient in that situation that we find ourselves now or perhaps in the future. Be patient as we face opposition. It was mentioned in a prayer that things are happening around us in governments, in society, in corporations. Decisions are being made which make us feel so sad there's strong opposition to what we believe as Christians, it's happening all around us I think one of the biggest oppositions is indifference when you talk to someone about Christianity and they're indifferent to what you're saying they just don't want to know and that is a big opposition itself and James uses the example of the prophets he says in the Old Testament the prophets, you know, they had the same problem God would give them a message to share with the people. They would share the message with the people and the people didn't want to know. The people rebelled against God. They ignored what the prophets said. Well, those prophets remained faithful. They remained patient. They persevered with the message they had been given by God. And that's the message for us today, isn't it? Against opposition, we need to remain strong. We need to remain firm. We need to remain confident in sharing God's message even if we get indifference and opposition thrown at us. And that should be an encouragement when we see things happening around the world. 
that we cannot understand why it's happening, why decisions are being made, we see so contrary to God's word, we need to remain patient against that opposition and know that at the end of the day, God is the judge of all people. So we need to be patient when we face opposition. We need to be patient in our service for the Lord. Whatever work we're, we're doing, and some of it's open work that others can see, some of it is work that we do behind the scenes that maybe no one else knows about it. But it's all work for the Lord. When we're working for the Lord, we need to be patient. And use the example, doesn't he, of the farmer. The farmer who goes out, ploughs the field, sows the seed, waits for the rains to come. He has to be patient for that to bring fruit. He's still working during that time, but he has to stay patient. And that's a, an encouragement for us when we're involved in working with different situations. We might be witnessing to neighbours, we might be praying for members of the family, we might be working in, within the assembly here, whatever we're doing, and we don't always see results right away. And that can be discouraging. But the encouragement for us is to stay patient just as a farmer does, and we'll see fruit at the end. It's often the case that the fruit isn't seen by the person who's done the labouring. Sometimes someone else will see the fruit. But we must persevere in the work that God has given us to do. Whatever that work is, it's so important for each of us to carry on doing it, faithfully doing it, and be patient. So we have to be strong, we have to be patient, I also believe we have to be active when we're waiting. Patience isn't a passive thing in this scripture. It involves activity. It involves doing. It's not sitting with twiddling our thumbs. When I'm waiting, sorry, when someone else is waiting for someone else to get dressed in the house, um, they may twiddle their thumbs while that's happening. Or you can fill that time by doing something else. And waiting and serving and acting is not a passive thing, but it's doing something very positive. In Mark chapter 13, which I referred to earlier, with the parable that Jesus told, Mark 13, verse 32, I'll read it out to us. But about this day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, be alert. Do you not know, you do not know when the time will come. He's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge. And this is the bit I wanted to focus on. Each with their assigned task. And tells the one at the door to keep watch. Each with their assigned task. So he's not leaving them to sit in the house and twiddle their thumbs. And I think this relates to the, you know, the, the spiritual gifts that we have. And I think this is so important that we talk about this. And understand that God has given each one of us spiritual gifts. They are gifts that allow us to serve him, often in a way that we perhaps cannot do humanly. That's by the spiritual, with the help of the Holy Spirit. And whatever that gift is, whatever that if, if you don't know your gift, I would ask you to talk to someone and say, what do you think my spiritual gift is? Because every one of us has got a spiritual gift. Right? We're told that. It's given to each one of us at least one spiritual gift. If we don't know what it is, we should find out. And when we find out, we need to exercise that gift. Because God has given it to us for it to be used. Just as these people in this house are 
given tasks that are assigned while he's away. We have a task that we're given. Now, the gifts that we have vary dramatically from administration to encouragement to teaching to hospitality. There's so many different gifts that God has given to each of us. And it's so important that we all recognise that gift and we use it. It's interesting it says here, and he tells the one at the door to keep watch. It makes me think that perhaps some, one of us should be given the task of reminding each other regularly that the Lord's coming. Mm-hmm. To keep it that one person has that job to, you know, don't forget the Lord is coming back. Mm-hmm. So keep active. Keep doing what he's asked you to do. So it's being active, not passive. And then finally, in James, it talks at the end of this, we didn't read it, but it talks about being prayerful. Living lives of prayer. Praying for those within our fellowship. Praying for those who are lost. Praying for those in our families. I wouldn't think it would be a good idea just to meet together and to share with each other those of our families that we know that need prayer and for each to pray for them. Maybe the women could get together and have that discussion. Maybe the men could get together. Perhaps could do it all together. We have a granddaughter here today. I'm not going to embarrass her, but there's one to pray for. And we need to be urgent in prayer, don't we? We don't know when he's coming back. We need to be urgent in our prayers. So let's pray for one another, for the work that we're doing, and for the lost. To help you to remember that, I've got another acronym. The acronyms are to take the first letter of each of those. So strong, patient, active, and prayerful. SPAP. <coughs> SPAP. There you are. You remember that, won't you? It means absolutely nothing. <laughs> but if it helps you to remember those four things we talked about tonight, right, to be strong in the Lord, know that he's coming back. To be patient in every situation of our lives. To be active using the gifts that he's given to us. And to be prayerful for one another, for those that we don't know who are lost. Mm. It's the last one of the series. What I've tried to do over the last five weeks, or the last five sessions, is try to bring out areas of practical Christian living. We talked about in the first week how to handle problems in life and how they can develop our character if we handle them correctly. We talked about how to hear what God is saying to us, because often we think, well, how does God speak to us? And we talked about how we read the Bible and how we read the Bible with our ears open to hear what God is saying to us. How do we live by faith? We talk about living by faith, not by sight. What does it mean? And it's about total trust in God. So we take God at his word and say, God, whatever you ask me to do, I'm going to do it. Don't understand it. Don't know how it's going to happen, but I'm going to do it because you've asked me to do it. And we talked about how we should speak. Be careful what words we use. That we don't use words which will offend another brother or sister. And we've talked tonight about how we live while we wait for the Lord Jesus to return. I just pray these areas might be helpful.
in our Christian walk, that we encourage one another in them. We're going to sing a hymn together, um, which is about this. It's number 440 in the book that you've got, which will flop. And it's, we'll just sing the first and last verses. I'm waiting for thee, Lord, thy beauty to see, Lord. I'm waiting for thee for thy coming again. Thou art God over there, Lord, a place to prepare, Lord. Thy home I shall share at thy coming again. E'en now let my ways, Lord, be bright with thy praise, Lord. For brief are the days at thy coming again. I'm waiting for thee, Lord, thy beauty to see, Lord. Go triumph for me like thy coming again. Perhaps we stand and sing the first and the last verses. I'm waiting for thee, Lord, thy beauty to see, Lord. I'm waiting for thee, for thy coming again. I'll go over the Lord, a place to